This episode was recorded earlier this summer. Event date drops are mentioned that are no longer relevant, but don't despair. Our guest offers events throughout the year and sometimes last minute openings occur. Hope to see you at a supper. Coming to you from Minneapolis, Minnesota, a conversation about the great and sometimes not so great outdoors. I'm your host, Jody Gruen, and we do this for fun. Jody, have you heard of Secret Supper? I've been following Secret Supper for years, yearning for the chance to experience something that I can't even put into words. And that is why today on We Do This for Fun, we have Jacob Furley. Jacob Furley, the partnerships manager for Secret Supper, to put into words what I find so unexplainably beautiful. Welcome, Jacob, to We Do This for Fun. Well, thanks for having me and appreciate the nice intro. Oh my gosh. I'm just so thrilled that you're here. Um, So I'm guessing that you have the words that I don't to be able to explain the vision and the concept of Secret Supper. Could you share what I can't put into words with our listeners? Sure. I'll do my best. Um, Secret Supper is, um, it's my wife and I, she's the founder of Secret Supper. um, And I just try uh, to not screw things up as best (laughs) I can. Um, And, you know, really the goal and vision behind the brand was just to be able to provide really unique um, experiences where people could come together over food. Um, So kind of at the core of what we do is we try to host um, interesting experiences that that offer uh, a high level culinary experience somewhere different and non-traditional than you might expect to have it. And, uh, and so that's been kind of our journey along the, the past few years is to try to um, take this concept to different locations around the US and abroad and, uh, and sort of bring people together from different places and just share a really unique meal uh, that kind of all connects us together at the end. That's so cool. So one of the reasons why I find the concept so unique and beautiful is that a lot of these locations end up being outdoors. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about kind of the power, like how powerful, you know, dining outdoors and gathering outdoors can be for guests. Yeah, I mean, it is a huge part of what we're known for and about and what we want to be about is just bringing people closer to nature. So all of our events are meant to be local, seasonal, sustainable, and really connect people to their food and their sense of place. So we're always working locally with chefs. We're always working um, to find a unique spot to bring people to. Um, it just really creates more of a unique experience for our guests, but then also just slows people down and gets them to connect with nature um, in a way that they might not normally do that. There's definitely a large percentage of our audience that attends from uh, across the U.S. that is from urban, there are from urban areas that may not leave the city as often. So sometimes we're the most uh, adventurous, unique, um, outdoorsy style of thing that they maybe have done in quite some time. So it is a fun chance to bring people outside of their comfort zone, get them outdoors. And we always say if the weather's nice and you have a glass of wine in your hand, it kind of does about 90% of the work for us. So yeah. Uh, when everything goes right, it definitely uh, it adds so much to the experience and really brings kind of us closer to the the elements that that uh, are at the table as well. Yeah. Oh, I have like a thousand questions now from that answer. So let's talk a little bit about the people who go. 
So are you saying that it's sort of all walks of life, all types that kind of come to these things? It can be some city people, some people who love the outdoors. I mean, is there an average kind of attendee? Um, you know, it's changed and evolved quite a bit over the years. We started in the when we lived in the Pacific Northwest hosting events near Portland and Seattle. And that was um, originally, I think there was a food focused audience of people that were also into the outdoors that that was our primary demographic. Now that we've uh, expanded and went beyond sort of that geography and taken our experiences ac across the world, I guess, or across North America, mostly, we've definitely recruited a different audience or a more diverse audience of people that might include folks that that would be used to, you know, going out and having more of a rustic dining experience at a campsite or somewhere outdoors, as well as people that that may enjoy fine dining and, and may enjoy more of an urban lifestyle that don't leave the city as often and have those experiences. So it's definitely become more of a diverse audience. We're very fortunate that we have a very motivated group of people uh, that really do want these experiences and travel for them. So we host 50 guests at each of our suppers. And of those 50 guests, we usually have about 10 to 12 different states that are in uh, attendance. So we're seeing about 60% of our customers travel from out of state uh, to join us for the supper and then make a long weekend experience somewhere new out of it. So we've really turned into more of a travel brand that because more there are more travelers than locals at each event. Um, and we, so that gives our audience to a chance to explore a new location, a new place that they maybe wouldn't have been uh, without us putting a, putting something on our schedule. Oh, so it's pretty, pretty great to see that response. And we always have just the, the, the most uh, special guests that join us from all over the U S. Yeah. Okay. So then if people are coming from all over, clearly people don't know each other. Is it awkward? I mean, like I think of a bed and breakfast when you get up in the morning and you're sitting at a table with all these strangers, like sometimes you're like, oh God, I don't want to go down there. Or, <laughs> you know what I mean? But clearly people are opting into this. Like what happens there? What's the relationship between people as they gather together, you know, and, you know, move through an evening? Well, I think it does. It, it There is more of a guarded start to the experiences, but then it doesn't take very long for people to warm up and connect. And that's one of the things that we really uh, get so much out of is just seeing the connection at the table. We do tend to put a filter on our audience in some ways because uh, we don't tell people where they're going until 24 hours before. We don't tell them what they're eating until they show up. Uh, so if you think it's a good idea to buy uh, a supper ticket to a $250 uh, per person event and maybe fly across the U.S. for it and, uh, and experience that type of adventurous dining experience, chances are the people that did the same thing across the table from you are people that you can get along with really well because they're, they did the same thing that you did. So it tends to kind of recruit yeah. people that have that adventurous mindset that are up for uh, a little bit of a non-traditional dining experience and an adventure along the way. And um, that that personality type seems to mesh with each other. So we, we end up getting really spoiled by having an amazing group of guests at our table that really love to learn the stories of the people across from them and experience um, an evening that's that's a communal dining experience uh, that that's really what we focus hard on uh, offering. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, so when we you know we're talking ahead of this podcast, we were talking about Minnesota, and I had said 
oh, I had noted that there had been maybe, did, was there two events that had been in Minnesota? I know that I yeah. missed the last one and that was part of the Great Northern Festival. Where was that one? We were north of, I'm going to forget the exact name, okay. up north of Minneapolis by about almost an hour okay. um, for that one. And then we did one south of Minneapolis in 2021 uh, as well. Yeah, so we had, yeah, we've been, uh, we've been to the kind of Minneapolis, Minnesota area a couple of times uh, and mentioned that that's home for us as far as where my wife and I both grew up. So um, our family is always interested in getting us back home to host these experiences nearby. And there's such a great culinary scene there as well. So yeah, we've had a chance yeah. to work with some really talented chefs and in the area. Um, so it's always fun to kind of come home and see some familiar faces at the table, as well as those folks that, that are joining from other spots uh, throughout the U.S. Yeah. And I love the idea of this whole local, you know, giving sunshine to like our local, like our local chefs and um local local other vendors i'm assuming that you use designers that are local and you know people you bring people in to do these things can you just maybe set the stage a little bit of what you know a secret supper looks like like what kind of sense like the sensory experience cuz it's all i mean from what i saw through the videos and you know my yearning to go to one of these i just I, I look at it and it just looks so beautiful and it just seems like something that you would just be ha- you would have chills like all night long well, yeah, thank you. That's that we do try to work really hard on the details and make it a really special experience from start to finish. I think that going into it, what does add to the excitement and energy that our guests come with, which is a huge part of what everyone gets out of it, is that is how the guests show up and, and their their passion and energy for this. Um, it, we do have a the, our tickets usually sell out in about a minute or two, and so people feel very fortunate. A yeah, usually it's a couple minutes or less. So it's 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 a sought after thing that people get excited for. So the idea that you've purchased a ticket and you're able to, you know, type your information in quickly and get that um, secured is already something that gets people pretty excited. And then not knowing exactly where or uh, what the event's all about and keeping that mystery in a world that we where we have so many things that are, you know, so much information that's easily accessible to us. I think that helps us out right up front because we get this really excited, energetic audience of people that are super glad to be there. Um, and then when we when we think about the details of the event, that's something that we really spend a lot of time doing. So we try to make sure that every aspect of the experience feels curated and thoughtful um, in terms of how how we lay things out and the format that the the event is in. So basically every event's going to have a little bit different feel to it, depending on where we are and how we set things up. But we have a commonality in sort of our um, flow and our process of the experience. We always have one of us, usually it's myself or my wife. Uh, We have a two-year-old now, so it's never usually both of us there. It's usually one of us at home and one of us flying around to do these events. So we'll be the ones to say hello, welcome everyone, check them in, uh, usually somewhere near where they're going to get parked or dropped off. And then we'll direct them to our cocktail hour location, which is um, our first stop for the night. So we'll have usually a bar set up with a couple of uh, beverages and a few paired bites of food. And that is about a 45 minute to an hour long experience for our guests to sort of hang out, get their first drinks and bites to eat explore the property, take some photos, meet their new friends that they'll be having dinner with. Following that, we'll do a brief introduction. We'll just talk about who we are, what we do, 
And we'll have, of course, our chef and our location partners and anyone else that's involved uh, walk through kind of a background of, of what they're up to and the inspiration behind their part of the event. And then from there, we'll all walk together to our table location. Um, a lot of times that's a secret as well, or at least it's like not exactly where the cocktail hour is. So that could be the first time that our guests actually see the table um, and find their seats. So they just kind of um, naturally take a seat that feels right to them. Yeah. We'll set up our chef next to them uh, and have the, all the food cooked next to the table, usually on grills or live fire, things like that. So it's a very immersive uh, experience for our guests in terms of seeing the food being cooked and being a part of that culinary aspect to the experience. And each course then is served family style, um, except for usually dessert a lot of times is individually plated because it's naturally a little easier to do. But our first, second and main course seated at the table are family style. And then that fifth course or dessert course is um, usually a plated course, but all of the each course will have a paired beverage with it as well. So we want to think through the details of what's going to make the food and beverage kind of shine together. And then um, from a design aspect, that is 100% uh, my wife, Danielle, who does that. And she is always looking to match the, um, the place, the season, the food, and kind of um, pair that all up with a very visual display that will uh, be a beautiful place to have, uh, have a meal. So it's, it's usually a lot of combined elements that go into that visual component of it. Um, and everything kind of just all comes together and creates an overall um, fun experience that goes for about four hours. Four hours. That's quite a good deal then. I mean, you think of, you think of, you, you hear the, the price tag and you can might gasp a little, but actually for a four hour experience, that's actually very reasonable. Yeah. We try to make it a really great value for a guest yeah. by serving really, you know, high quality food and beverage. Um, that's sort of our, our, our goal there is that um, we create, an elevated culinary experience in a place that you would not uh, normally think of it as. So we try to partner with really amazing chefs and give them a really long leash as far as how to create what their vision is for this event. And we yeah. facilitate that and uh, we want to bring in sort of high quality beverage to go with their foods. So we, we really try to make it kind of a, a really great um, all immer immersive experience for our guests. Yeah. I love doing that too, except on my little scale of with my family. But I do believe, like, I love eating really good food while I'm camping. You know, I love like growing sprouts, like in my canoe while I'm in the boundary water <laughs> so we can have something fresh. You know, I mean, I love thinking through those kind of elements just to have like a really good meal, like on the trail or on a lake or, you know, while camping. So, oh, I can only imagine. Okay. So, they're completely secret. You don't know anything until what the day before or the day of. So when guests buy a ticket and we have actually a ticket release happening on Sunday, um, they'll be, they'll know exactly. Um, they'll know approximately where the event's going to be. Okay. Um, so it might be um, within one hour of a major city, but as the date gets closer, we'll provide you usually within three months or so a specific okay. address, a specific city that you can target. So if you are, a traveler from out of state or even someone that's local, but wants to uh, make a long weekend out of it or stay somewhere convenient. So there's you know less of a commute after or can take, you know, Uber or Lyft after um, a lot of people opt to get a place to stay. So that, that little component of where the nearest city, even if it's a small town in the middle of, of some, you know, 
a spot that you wouldn't normally travel. We try to give that like next hint to them at least two to three months before the event okay. itself. But then the actual address will be delivered uh, the day before the event. So that's when guests know specifically where they're going. Um, but they have that at least general concept of where it is um, already in mind so that um, logistically they can take care of, you know, lodging and things like that. Right. Have you ever had any party crashers? Like people Not, that find out where the event is and then sort of show up to like take pictures and like pretend maybe? I mean, we've had happen? a couple of... Yeah. I've had a couple of uh, moments where there have been people that have been nearby and are taking notice of what it is okay. or something like that. So sometimes when that happens, um, there's actually been moments where we've had people that couldn't make it for a random reason. And we've invited them to sit down and eat with us if they wanted to, if we had spots that we could fill or things like that. So, or have them join us for cocktail hour or things like that. So oh. um, usually if there's, I remember there was one instance where one of the properties that we, uh, that we had an event at had also had an Airbnb, um, property and it happened to be their wedding anniversary weekend. So, we invited them to join us or we, and brought them food up to their little cabin or something oh, like that. So we try to make yeah. it, you know, very communal and, and make it so that everyone feels like they can be a part of it, even if, uh, but we haven't had actual like crashers yet, okay. but I'd, I'd imagine that it could happen. Yeah. It could be me, um, <laughs> but I won't, I won't, I won't do that. Okay. So how about, you know, maybe a favorite moment or two that you've experienced, you know, at one of these at one of these events um, that really has stuck with you? Yeah, I think that there's always, from an event producer perspective, there's always a real um, kind of a nice moment where the end, where the last course is served and there's kind of a calmness that goes on. And I do remember there was one event that we did as we were just kind of, you know, really fully getting our feet under us in 2019, where we were in Monterey, California, and I had somebody who just happened to be, you know, I was off some, you know, distance from the table, just kind of observing things, making sure we're good to go on food and drink and everything else that's happening. But also just kind of noticing the, you know, laughter and chatter at the table. And the person came up to me and just mentioned that it was such a, you know, beautiful experience and they had a great night. And that in particular, they said that, that this is experience that really kind of restored my hope and sort of our ability to kind of come together, you know, as people and mm -hmm. things like that. So that was always this quote that I think will stick with me for a long time, because obviously that seems like, you know, maybe a, a lot to, to yeah. say that like we're changing the world. But um, it was interesting to just hear that perspective on how um, the idea that you could, you know, get together with strangers and kind of leave as a connected group of people um, by just sharing a meal in, in some sort of unique style. So that that to me is always the kind of the esoteric uh, reward and feedback for us. And we do get a lot out of that. You know, the, the positive feedback and things that, that people say about the experiences, I think is what keeps us going. And, and that was one moment that I think I'll always kind of remember. Yeah. No, I mean, I imagine you leave this and then all of that positive, all that positivity and joy, you know, like is seeping out of you and you just want to talk about it probably with people. And I can see that is, those are life-changing moments. So nice job, Secret Supper. <laughs> we try Changing the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all. Uh, how about any situations where you had to just kind of like, you know, like a situation where you had to like roll with the punches, like the weather or, you know, something that's a, that occurred where you were able to just like, okay, this is happening and we're still going on. Has there been any of those moments? I imagine there must, there must be. 
Yeah, those are the ones that um, we don't look back on maybe quite as fondly, <laughs> but are part of what we do. We know that, um, you know, doing ad- adventurous outdoor based events yeah. means that, you know, weather and other factors are always going to come into play. There's just a lot of variables for what we do, especially not living um, in the geographies that we are producing events at. Uh, we just have to kind of drop in and make sense with a new team. Basically, it's the equivalent of setting up a restaurant for a night mm-hmm. um, in a non-traditional spot and maybe somewhere you've never been. So we do have a lot of variables to manage and end up with a lot of unique situations that occur. I would say last year in particular was a year full of those unique situations. There's, we could probably do a whole conversation on yeah. different situations that occurred. We um, we just had a lot of weather challenges last year. Uh, so we went from pandemic to weather. So this is our year to hopefully smooth out and not have as many of those. But uh, we did have a moment last year. So uh, we didn't forecast or see rain in uh, Austin, Texas happening in August because it hadn't rained for about three months. But um, And we were assured that if it did rain that day, the percentage chance was very low that we would just receive a small passing shower, but the end result was that it just absolutely poured for on us for about an hour straight without much of any backup or rain. We'd have any rain uh, plan B options on site, which is something that we've decided won't ever occur again after this moment, (laughs) Um, but we learned the hard way. And, and, uh, it, we definitely all got very wet um, and our guests were so gracious and kind. They, they insisted on, um, we did our best to hunker down and get under some cover and, and watch it rain for a good hour, hour and 15 minutes. Um, but our table was soaked. Everything was was not how we wanted it to go. So we did our best to dry things off and put things back together. And I was so inspired by that, too, because um, I felt really uh, like we let everyone down uh, by not having a better plan in place and not being even though the percentage was low, we, we still should have, I think, had a better option for them. But uh, what was so inspiring was that uh, I think only four we offered to give everyone their money back if they, you know, and, and to come to a future event for free and things like that. Um, but, you know, really everyone stuck around except for a few people. And not only did they stick around, they all insisted on helping us set back up and uh, getting on our feet and all that. So although it wasn't what we had hoped for at the end of the night, we got so much, you know, from soaked fans, uh, we got so much uh, great feedback on it. So I hope we never have to go down that path again, but it's just an example of how amazing our audience is and how um, spoiled we already get such a great group of people that's understanding about the adventure, about the weather, about those elements that sometimes are out of our control as much as we'd like them to be in our control. So that, that was a moment that, that definitely did not go to plan and, um, you know, worked out all right, but I'm, I'm hopeful we don't have to repeat. Yeah. But you know, too, there's those moments are, mem- those are memories. They, they, you know, they allow you to, um, I mean, I think about just camping in general, we talk a lot about camping and, you know, clearly the outdoors and the name of this podcast is we do this for fun, but it's like, you could put a question mark or an exclamation mark <laughs> or whatever. But a lot of times things that don't seem like they would be fun end up becoming, you look back and you go, wow, that was actually a really incredible experience. I mean, those people have so much to talk about. And like you're saying, the the energy and the positivity that you received and like their willingness to help. I mean, again, restoration and humanity, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it definitely yeah. was. It was pretty inspiring for us. We kind of needed that. I think that little uh, pick me up too, because we were pretty defeated. So it was great to have that. And yeah, it's just definitely 
fun to um you appreciate more when the weather is beautiful and there's no issues now that we've had our fair share of challenges so it is part of what we sign up for so we can't be too surprised when it happens yeah okay so another question i have is regarding tips and tricks so you don't come to minnesota very often you'll be here more often but you also sell out immediately. So it's going to be difficult for all of us to come to an event potentially. <laughs> if you know you wanted to like if me in particular or somebody who's listening said this is a really cool idea like is there a way that you know you could do this for your own kind of backyard party or at a campsite or something and if you think that the average person could pull maybe not to the level that you pull it off but do like a simpler version of it like what would be a couple things to think about if you maybe would want to kind of do this for friends and family? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that what we've learned is, especially when you pick a non-traditional space to do something in like this, where you have a food event outdoors, or maybe at a rustic place like a campsite, we try to take care of as many details, as many planning tasks as we can in advance and do things that don't even really seem necessary. Uh, up front so that when we're on site and there might be wind or rain or some sort of component that throws things off a little bit, we don't have to worry about all of the little stuff that we could have done in a climate controlled, uh, no wind, no rain type of situation. So we do try to bleed over that stuff up front. When it comes to food prep and things like that, we obviously leave that to our chefs, but that's a huge component of what everyone does at home just making sure that we take care of all of the the details associated with chopping and mm. uh, putting everything in a container, making sure that it's all labeled, organized, prepped, ready to go. So that um, if you do end up with a situation where we have to be quick on our feet to adapt to a new challenge um, that's thrown at us by the environment or something else, then we can we don't have to worry about as much of those things. So definitely coming in prepared and making sure that those things that you can do in, in advance are done is a huge part of it. And then I would say when it comes to, to the food uh, itself and, how, and what you choose for menu items and, and how you cook them, we, we really love using a family style approach to our events, both to bring people together and then tactically because it's much easier to do if you're not in a traditional kitchen dining room setting. So we are big fans of using cast iron. Um, it's also a lot of fun to cook with. And if you have a lid with like a Dutch oven or something that you can put on top of something and let it slow cook and have a few dishes like that, it allows you, it buys you time for your other courses and is kind of ready to go for when you need it and, pre and presents really well at a table where you can lift the lid off and have some sort of steaming um, dish of, of food there for everyone to enjoy. So I would say trying to get in front of things and doing that uh, leg work up front. And then also just like, yeah, utilizing some family style cast iron things uh, really seems to help with producing a lot of food for a group of people in a non-traditional place. Okay. And then what about background? You and your wife have this company. Are you chefs? Are you designers? Are you, I mean, maybe, you know, what, what is your background that got, you know, how you got into this? Yeah, the, um, my wife's background is in, she's an interior designer by trade and was doing that um, as, as well as uh, on the side learning wine. So mm -hmm. she studied wine, um, studied interior design and practiced that for a while. And Secret Supper is really just that vision of, of being um, 
creating a visually inspiring place to enjoy food and beverage. So uh, that was really the driver behind her vision for the, the business and the brand was to be able to create sort of these beautiful moments from a visual perspective and combine them with the flavor elements of, of pairing food and wine. So that's, that's where she comes from. My background is very diverse and non, there's not really one clean, clear answer to say what it is. I, I did go to school uh, in, for ecology. So uh, okay. I have an ecology degree. I worked as a park ranger when I graduated college. And wow, then, you know, that's cool. Uh, yeah, so I'm very connected to nature that way. So yeah. when it comes to adventure and getting outdoors, that was what I originally thought I would do. I ended up in the corporate world for a while, chained to a desk, and always knew I wanted to do my own thing. And when this came along, um, that was sort of how I could use some of the skills that I that I got kind of working a corporate nine to five to be able to help um, build Secrets Upper into a standalone business. So the, between the two of us, we kind of bring a different skill set, mm-hmm. um, but the connectivity of being, you know, loving food and loving entertaining and bringing people together around it is is definitely shared between both of us. Oh, so cool. And yeah, I love the stories too, where people had this life and then they created this life that seems to give them a lot more life. Yeah, that's always been the goal is, is it's just kind of a lifestyle move for us. We love to travel. We love food and drink. We love to get, you know, a chance to meet people um, and explore different cultures. So this is always, that's always been the goal of this is just figure out a way to do this um, for as long as we can. And so yeah. far we're, we're hanging on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what do the two of you do for fun in the outdoors? <laughs> Great question. I am a very avid snowboarder, so I okay. definitely love to get out, snowboard, hike. We live in Portland, Maine now, so we're um, we're on the beach a lot, um, not far from the water. So we love to get out and explore uh, all the beaches around here. Um, and and then you know if we can, um, you know, get out and travel and, and do that kind of abroad as well. But we've done less of that since we've we have a little one now. But um, hopefully we'll regain that uh, part of our life as well coming up. But yeah, anything in the outdoors is usually a good fit for us as well as like camping and, and getting a chance to cook outdoors uh, and kind of what we do kind of live a part of the lifestyle that people probably would think we would uh, to a degree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it gets hard once the little ones come around, you know, it's been a challenge. You have, a little you have bit. to kind of shift things around less long trips, more shorter ones, less distance from home. I mean, yeah, yeah. but it is possible, right? Definitely. Yeah. We travel a lot. So I think that, um, when we're not traveling, we really value just being at home. And, yeah. and that's that's been seen as a little bit more valuable part of our lives than it used to be just because of our schedules. So being able to be home and just cook a nice meal together too is something that we really uh, look forward to and doesn't happen maybe as often as we wish. Yeah. Okay, final question. Minnesota, when might you be back? You don't have to give a date or, you know, I mean, is there, are we looking at next year, potentially a couple of years? I mean, when might we have the chance to be on the site and be one of the few people that gets on the list? Yeah. Great question. <laughs> we would love to come back where, um, we haven't looked past this year yet. We're okay. kind of just kicking the tires on 2024 planning. Right. And um, as a team of two that does everything, we always have visions of having more of a long-term schedule and plan in place. But and the reality is, is that we usually are a, a step or two behind where we'd ideally like to be. So uh-huh. we will have that um, kind of nailed down in more detail in the, in the coming months. Um, so 
I would love to make it, you know, an annual thing where we could get back to Minnesota just because it is such a big part of, of what kind of shaped us both growing up there. And, you know, tactically, it's nice to get a chance to see the family. So I think there's a strong chance that we'll be back there again next year. And it's good to know that that you and others might be interested in, in oh, yeah. showing up if we do. Yeah. Maybe you just put the link on my, on We Do This For Fun podcast <laughs> and we'll just, we'll fill it. <laughs> That's Maybe. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. Um. Okay. Is there anything else you would like our listeners to know? Like, where can they find you? Where can they see images of these, you know, these beautiful events? Yeah. Uh, secretsupper.co is our website. Um, and then Instagram secret underscore supper. Uh, that's where you can kind of see everything that we're up to. I would say that um, joining the mailing list is, is the best way to try to okay. uh, ensure you get a ticket. So our mailing list is always the first to get access to our our ticket presale. And in reality, it our tickets rarely make it past that presale date. So um, really, if folks are interested in, in joining us, um, making sure that they're signed up for the mailing list, that they get access to that, uh, the presale that happens the day before the general public would have access to the tickets. That's a that's a big one to make sure to get get kind of the best chance to get the tickets, and hopefully we'll have a chance to do more events and, and offer the experiences to more people as well as the years go on. But um, yeah, that's that's probably the the last information I'll leave everyone with. All right, great. Well, uh, if you love the outdoors, appreciate good food, and want to try something new, it sounds like Secret Supper might be for you. And something to add to your uh, experience bucket list. I know it's <laughs> on mine. Um, so, and it sounds like a surefire way to have fun out there. So, Jacob, thank you so much for your time. So good to know that you're a fellow Minnesotan. <laughs> and um, we'd love to have you back again, especially maybe before your next Minnesota event. That sounds great. Well, I appreciate you thinking of us and for having me on. Um, yeah, and we'll hope to see you at the table sometime soon. Great. Thank you. We Do This For Fun is brought to you by Boreal, a catalyst for wellness transformation inspired by the beauty of the North. Boreal helps people find and align with nature to power individual health and wellness. Wellness coaching, plant-based and outdoor cooking classes, camping wellness retreats, and more. Learn more at boreal.com. That's B-O-R-E-A-L-L-E.com. It would mean so much to us if you would follow and subscribe to the We Do This For Fun show page on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's easy. Just hit the plus sign or click on follow. I know many of you read reviews for outdoor gear to help make purchases for your outdoor adventures. The more reviews, the more likely you are to purchase or take a brand seriously. It's like that with podcasts, too. We'd love for you to give us a five-star review, and after you've done that, just share a quick comment about what you like about We Do This For Fun. Please share our episodes. Help us make an impact, because everyone deserves to have fun out there.